one of my favorite, all-time favorite characters, um, Static, Virgil Hawkins. And I wanted to do a little Super bit on him. Static, Static. Static. <laughs> Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know the theme song. Um, everybody know that. Hello, everybody. We are back for another episode of Another Relaunch. Hello, I am Keenan. What's up, everybody? I am LZ. How are you doing today, LZ? I'm good. I'm doing really good. I um, have decided I need to like start working out again. And because um, like the gyms out here are still closed and everything. So okay. um, I've been doing these at home workouts and everything. But the weather out here is nice, so I think I might start working out like outside and doing like getting myself right. Okay, fit so fam. I'm feeling good. I've been, I'm trying. I might. I might try to okay. join a little bit. Okay, <laughs> you know, I've been going to the gym, you know, a little bit. I went this morning. It was a little packed. I was shocked because it was raining outside, and so I was like, oh, oh okay, of course nobody's going to get up and like go to the gym in the pandemic mm-hmm. and the rain. No, they definitely were there, so I couldn't stay too long. <laughs> <laughs> but that was fine because we had to come back so we could talk about these comics today anyway. Yes, let's do so it. Let's get on into it. Um, let's go through. This. Oh, yeah. So first up on the list is we are coming to the end of Future State. It's All almost right? over. Yeah. Oh no, this is the end of Future State. It is State. over. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're free. Yeah. Um, no. So okay, but this was actually one of the better issues of Future State. This was Aquaman number two by Brandon Thomas and Daniel Perry. And again. The first issue really kind of showed Jackson. He was imprisoned in this confluence. The ocean is uh, connecting like all these different planets and things like that. And he was stuck on one, kidnapped. He thought he had lost Andy. Finds out at the end that Andy's actually alive. So this issue is from Andy's viewpoint. We basically kind of see her and like what happened afterwards. She cut her own leg off to oh, snap. Okay. like, yeah, save Jackson. And she comes across this like group of weird fish things that she can talk to like her dad. So the difference between Andy's telepathy and Arthur's telepathy is that whereas he kind of like talks and asks the fish or whatever to do what he needs, Andy actually controls them. And oh, she, like, snap. Okay. Them. Yeah. So the these so she's like kind of stronger in a way like is she? Yeah, okay. basically. And so these weird fish thing, they have like this morphing capability. And so she commands one to fill the spot where her leg was. And she uses that as the leg. And so she uses the next few years to kind of like train. And so like the fish are like telling her like, no, give us our brother back. We're going to kill you if you don't. And she's like, I'll bring him back like once I'm done. <laughs> <'Cause> I- <laughs> she's like, you know. And they're just like, no, this is wrong. You're doing something bad. And she's like, no, I've got to go find my brother. Another thing, she like calls Jackson her brother. The entire issue is the cutest thing. That's so cute. (laughs) Um, So we see her for the next few years. She's kind of like putting into place all the things that Jackson has been teaching her. And we get this really cool montage of flashbacks of Jackson and her training sequences and teacher Jackson is amazing again the best thing about this Aquaman issue is that this feels like what it could be in a post infinite frontier universe you know what I'm saying like this feels like what an Aquaman book could be right now and it feels fresh and it feels different it feels good it feels great again Daniel Perry's art is just like out of this world I've said a lot of these future state books are not that great but it is an artist showcase um this one kind of gets the benefit of being a decent story and the great artist showcase 
So. I've been seeing a lot of those panels that you've been posting and the art looks beautiful <laughs> to the point where I'm like, do I want to read this too? <laughs> right? Like, okay. And like, and again, like I said, Teacher Jackson is amazing. Like he, it's a very, I know a lot of people haven't really gotten into Jackson in the comics because they kind of expect Cowder from Young Justice and they haven't really realized that they're two different characters and the Jackson of the comics is a little bit more jovial and carefree in the sense than Cowder was. And here he is he's got a lot of that optimism and that happiness but you still see a lot more of the maturity and the confidence of a counter from the young justice and so it's like it's created this really oh, cool. interesting dynamic of a character and it's like this is someone who i definitely want to see a lot more of um but basically andy ends up finding jackson in his prison they meet up she's like where's my brother he sees that she's alive they like come together they break out and then we go and so she's actually commanded like all of these sea creatures to help her break into this place and so after she breaks jackson out he's like all right andy like i see all the stuff that you've gone through you've kind of become a harder person you need to let these fish go like your control what you're doing is wrong and she's kind of like looking at him like no and then they have a moment but she kind of breaks and he she's like oh, oh nice this isn't who i am and so they're embraced and they're back and this future say aquaman I think that's so cool that Jackson has like this mentor role that he has with Andy, considering that, you know, he was being mentored by Aquaman and you get to see like what he basically learned and changed from his lessons he learned from Aquaman. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then that was one thing. And Kelly Sue brought Jackson in um, during her arc and she was a really big part in kind of like starting to build Jackson and his his heroism, excuse me, and what that looks like. And so I thought this was a really nice expansion on that and it felt like a natural growth great stuff again future state as a whole dc knows how to hype an event future state aquaman (laughs) very enjoyable read (laughs) yeah nice all right and so next up on the list is the marvel voices legacy issue i'm not gonna lie to you okay safe space yeah i didn't really like this oh no okay I did not either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think back to the voices, indigenous voices issue and how much I really enjoyed that and like how I thought it was a really great showcase of the characters, who they were, what they represented, and also a nice little inclusion of their culture. And this one while the stories were like, I guess, fine or cute, I didn't really feel like they did any of that. Yeah. They didn't, a lot of them didn't really feel like they reflected a lot of the characters' culture, like what they were about <laughs> and yeah. their blackness anyway. Um, it just like felt Blade like... Comes, so the characters, who get, <laughs> the characters who get stories are Blade, Storm, um, Monica Rambeau, Riri Williams, Miles, and Domino. Also, why was Domino here? I didn't know she was black. I don't think is that she new. Is. Did I, is that a new thing? <laughs> so I, I felt as though it was, you know, because of Zazie Beats from Deadpool. Um, right. But let me tell you something right now. Zazie Beats worked because of the brown skin and how they do the inversion of Domino's palette. She didn't look like a Dalmatian. She had like the white spots on vitiligo on her eye and stuff like that. And it looked right. really good. Like with the fro, like that design was great. Like Dalmatian Domino as a black woman doesn't really hit the same. It does not. And then, 
And then also, I'm pretty, I find, I actually went back and I looked up some panels because I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen like something of Domino like as a white woman. And so she had that series with Gail Simone and there was like a flashback scene of them showing her black spot on her eye. I guess it's a tattoo. Oh it, yeah, I forgot that was a thing where they talked about it being a tattoo. Yeah, like they tattooed it on her face. And so as a, they did it to her, like, I guess when she was a little girl, she looked like a little white girl. The scene's kind of in black and white. So it's like, I don't know, I guess you could say she still has the albino skin or um, what, but it just looked like a normal white girl getting a tattoo. Yeah, I didn't know that Domino, you already know how I feel about Domino yeah. <laughs> from, from the last episode, but like, I had no idea that she was black. I, yeah, I was shocked when I turned the page and to see her in here. I wasn't shocked to see everything that happened with her considering, you know, she walked away and (laughs) there was no consequences for anything that she did while she was in this casino thing. But I, I don't know. I did definitely didn't know that she was black. I will say that in the mile story, it was written by John Ridley and it had um, art by Quopel. I enjoy that dynamic. I think that's a great love the art, love the art. Miles is one of my favorites. Like, yeah, like, boom, they did that. I would like to see more of that. Um, I also thought the Riri story, again, was cute. I thought it was a nice little girls' night out issue for her, uh, Kamala, and Shuri. I thought that one was actually one of the better stories in this. Um, I enjoyed their dynamic, how Shuri has that apartment, you know, in Chicago that all of them can kind of come and have a girls' night and, and connect with each other. And I liked the way that all three of them were written not only as young women but as like their own cultures um you know with riri she talked about like you know being like black and sherry talked about being wakandan and you really felt uh kamala i think and or ms marvel and she talked about like you know being muslim and it was in a way that it felt conversational with them like we were just watching them all be a part of this like little clubhouse thing where they connect and hang out and uh, decompress and de-stress with each and with each other i enjoyed that yeah definitely um i also actually really did enjoy the storm story as well i thought that that had the um infusion of culture that i would have liked in some of these other stories but again it was more so it was krakoan culture <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's know, true uh, so it, I, I guess like it worked but at the same time it didn't the storm story in my opinion was the best one in here this uh yeah it was like the last story in the book and i thought it was the the best one a part of all of this collection of stories i enjoyed seeing storm really watch over watch over this young black girl who is also an elemental character i thought that was really cool because who better to understand the emergence of your elemental powers than storm <laughs> you know okay um i appreciated all of that and her being there for this little girl who just lost her family and everything, I I liked it. That was the best story, but the rest of it, yeah. I don't know. Definitely, was the the Blade, fan of like it. it was Blade killing vampires. Like, what did that have to do with it? Why do Why do we need that? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah. So that was that. Next, yeah, one, milestone forever number zero. Now, I was kind of confused about this one. Um, wasn't this just like the milestone infinite issue that came out a few months ago? Okay, so a few months ago, they put out a, like, Milestone Forever issue um, on DC Infinite. I think it's up on DC Infinite now, if you have that app. But they also put it out for free during the DC Fandom event. Um, And it was supposed to be, like, a, um, 
a reintroduction of these characters, you know, get a little bit of that. This was the infinite edition and they added like 17 pages to it. So not only did you get the previous stuff that they put out for free during the fandom, you also got even more preview for what's to come for these characters. And I, I'm excited to see what's to come for a lot of these characters. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we were able to kind of set up the feel for who they are going forward um, we kind of touched on this a little bit before, and we're definitely going to touch on this um, later on or during this panel. But like, I feel like they needed some fresh talent, which <laughs> crazy enough, I saw that they announced, you know, the new static run yeah. is going to be written by Vita Ayala, which is crazy because we just talked about last <laughs> week how, okay. uh, how, we, how I wanted the Milestone characters to come back, but I really didn't need to have it be the same. The old writers. The old writers or whatever, because I feel like there's a, they end up being stuck in time. This kind of felt like that. However, I appreciated the paid, the new pages because they were drawn by the artists who are going to be drawing the new wave of milestone books so you gotta you gotta and they weren't the same artists who drew the dc fandom issue so this time you basically you got to see what the art was going to look like um and these new relaunches of static um hardware and icon and rocket and um it's pretty good like i've said before um when we covered the dc fandom stuff the static changes that they did where instead of him being at a gang fight he was at a black lives matter rally and that's where the big bang kind of happened um which is fine it makes it a current update um i really enjoyed everything that he was kind of dealing with in this in this issue he talks about you know hanging out with his friends and and bullies and all that kind of stuff it's just we did that already, <laughs> yeah. you know, with, with static. And I feel like I'm, I'm getting old, so <laughs> I don't really want to see static in high school again, because wow. I, not only am I far removed from that, we've done that like three times already and you got a TV show about it. So I feel like I hope that they at least let things kind of be pushed a lot further. The writing in this issue was, was all right. Sometimes you got a lot of that stuff I've talked about before where it's like this weird dialogue where you ask yourself, why would hardware talk like that? Or why would this, why mm-hmm. would this character speak like that? Um, but it gives you a nice teaser for what's to come. So it's right. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I'm kind of excited for the milestone relaunch. Yeah. I'm actually really excited for like the relaunch of the books to come out of this. Um, this little setup stuff was done by, or was written by uh, Reginald Hudland, who did a lot of, he was like the founder of, of milestone. Yeah. Um, and I know he also did a lot of black Panther stuff. I think he created Shuri. Um, but oh, I, think so. I, would like for some fresh talent to come on board and it looks like that's what's going to happen so i'm excited for what's next boom love it milestone forever so next up we have return of the valkyries number three from okay are you reading this i am not no okay you don't need to so this is a this is a a king and black miniseries and like oh i'm like actually getting annoyed with king and black at this point i just it's like every miniseries, we're hearing the same thing. No, it's just this big black ball of nothingness. No one feels anything, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Like, when is this going to be over? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still going. It's 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 long, but I will say that this issue gives me a lot of Danny Jane content, which I have been wanting forever. So I'm here for that. Ten out of ten. Picking up, must read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna that. Um, you know, it's been great. Um, other than that, we also had the story of the new Black Valkyrie. You know, she's kind of like discovering what happened to her and like what's going on and where the stuff that she's used to have is and like her past and we're learning more about her. I don't think we're going to get too much more into it. Again, another Valkyrie series is coming out post King and Black. So I oh, assume we're going to get, okay. get more into it then. Yeah. Um, but the issue is written by Jason Aaron, Taryn Gronbeck, and it has art from Nina Bakuva. Again, it's just very straightforward. Like the Valkyries have randomly met in New York where the Noel dragons are attacking and they decide to team up to find a way to stop it at the source. So Jane and Danny are great. Love this. <laughs> I'm sure they end up kicking ass. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad you love that. Uh, and so next up, Black Cat number three. Did you ever finish the previous Black Cat series? I haven't yet. It's it's still on my list. I know. I need Maybe to finish. That. It's that and Daredevil that I need to really finish oh yeah you do but you, you'll probably do daredevil first you have more of a connection to that one you know electra like, no. <laughs> um, so black so once again here we are another king and black tie <laughs> jeez it will not end oh truly it's like everywhere um so this issue is written by jed mckay with art from cf villa Basically, in the last issue, Black Cat was sent on a heist to rescue Doctor Strange, who had been captured by some of Noel's goons. She gets Strange, okay. and Strange has this ghost dog named Bats. Bats is, like, hilarious. He's actually showed up in, like, a couple of different books. Um, he showed up in the previous Black, Black Cat series. He was in, like, the New Mutants miniseries that Rosenberg written, wrote. He's been around. Funny little ghost dog. And he gets this Asgardian artifact that he gives to Felicia and she basically gets imbu imbued with the powers of an Asgardian magical being and this being is I know, like, I know you I, love that okay I was here for it you know I was like we're just hitting all the everything in this um but basically like so she's in this kind of mindscape space with the magical being and he's like I am old magic he takes the form of her dad he's like I'm old magic like I'm wild and crazy and I've been locked up but he's like but with you I can be free and we can like destroy the world he's basically tells her, he's like all I want to do is destroy stuff like just help me do that and so he starts offering her all of these things and one of the things he's offering her he's like you know with the power i give you you can make all the people who you've ever been with like love you again and want to do anything for you and at that point that's when she's like see i would never force anybody to love me like that's where you got me messed up she's like i can't be bought she oh, kind of that yes right i was like come <laughs> on stand up for yourself like he even tries because it tries in the beginning to use her grief like you know you had the stuff with your mom your dad lied to you about being dead and she's like why do you keep showing me stuff that makes me sad? Like, why is that going to make me want to go with you? <laughs> she's like, that doesn't work for me. And so that's when he's kind of like, okay, let's switch. But that's when she's like, no, I don't want to do this. She rejects the power and her and Strange basically are like, okay, let's fight some null demons and the issue ends. Again, it's King and Black. It's a nice, it's a nice little moment for Felicia. Again, Jen McKay has a, does a really good job of mixing humor in with like the deeper pathos of the story. Yeah. And it 
just works really well. It feels great. Again, Felicia in all of these different kind of high situations throughout the Marvel U has been really exciting. She's a fun character. I'm always down for the doll. Pick it up. It's only on three. I'm going to check it out. I need to catch up, but I definitely recommend it because I do enjoy Jed McKay. He has been doing great things on Taskmaster, so I would imagine, you know, the the Black Cat content is great. He's been really consistent with, like, a lot of the minis that he did. He did a um, digital first series for Daughters of the Dragon that was pretty good, too. Nice. All right. And so next up on the list, this is one I didn't read, but I know you got into it. It's Captain Marvel 26. I know that's right. Yes, I did. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> Carmen Canero is still on the art, yes? She is not. Uh, the art oh. is done by Ali Garbay. I think that's how you pronounce her last name, Ali Garbay. And um, this is the conclusion of everything that I've been talking about so far on this show, as far as her being trapped in this future with the um, the son of Enchantress and Namor, Ove. So... Finally, last issue, she got the the energy enough for her to go into her binary mode. And it was like, all right, cool. Now this is about to be the moment where, you know, Carol gets to start punching stuff. But um, again, she's dealing with magic. <laughs> so she's not that great with this. And you really get inside of her head while they're fighting. The thing with Carol and her being, you know, oh, I can lift, you know, 100 tons and I can shoot these photon blasts she has to actually figure out how to fight and you get a lot of that in this issue, which I've always loved. You know, I love power with limits. And while she's fighting Ove, she's in her binary mode and she's like, you know, I could blast him right now with a photon blast, but I don't know if everyone around me would survive that. So she tries to take him outside and she's like, all right, I need to figure out some time to throw. She throws him like (laughs) way across the city and the entire city has been protected by armor from the X-Men, Ahsoka. And she's keeping like the radiation away. I think I've talked about this before where, you know, they're in this future and it's dystopian and all outside of the dome is radiation and no one can survive outside of it. And Mm -hmm. uh, Ahsoka has been keeping everyone safe. And Carol is like, you know, you can let the dome down. We can start to figure out how to how to get you out of this. And she's like, I can't because we don't even know if the radiation outside is even, you know, the right level for people to survive. Everyone could die. Um, so she's like, all right, cool. Well, let's work out a way to get around this. Enchantress is still beating everybody. <laughs> um, and it is uh, Emma Frost, uh, Bridget, who is the daughter of Thor, and Luke Cage, who was originally being controlled by Enchantress, she was like his like little bodyguard who she used to really kind of do some brutal beatings on Carol. And the three of them are all trying to take on Enchantress and they aren't doing a very great job. <laughs> she's able to hold most it. of them off. <laughs> um, she's got this like magic shield up and they're trying to break the shield down because they want to save magic on the inside, uh, Ileana because Enchantress has been using magic to enhance her own magic and like cast all these spells and everything. Um, and that's what's going gotten, on in here. I know, right? That's why you're getting like the limbo demons and all that kind of stuff before in the previous issues. Um, so Enchantress actually is the smart one <laughs> in this because she, <laughs> <laughs> she kind of figures out that like um, she, she can win this if she uses the people around her. So 
what she does is she tells Ove that she needs the, she's like, I need the dark haired one, bring me the X-Man. And she's talking about Sora, who is the daughter of uh, Conan, Psylocke, and um, Forge. She brings, she tells him to bring her inside of her magical dome. And long story short, she uses her magic to make a telepathic connection with magic. Uh, She makes, um, sorry, that was probably confusing. She um, uses her own magic to make Sora have a telepathic connection with Ileana so that she can find out the real reason of what's really been going on. And turns out that magic lied to uh enchantress and made this whole thing about carol to buy them all some time when really uh iliana knows how to cast a spell to send someone back in time already like she did she doesn't need the energy of um, a living being so what they learned is that they need the energy of a living being to send someone back in time um they didn't need specifically carol's energy to do that uh, she just kind of made told that lie so that they could buy some time because Carol was gone. You know, in this future, Carol had come back and like reignited the sun. There was no Carol Danvers. So um, mm. luckily enough, they used that to kind of buy them some time. But this revealed the truth. So what they did was um, she used her own life force. Enchantress used her own life force to send Ove back. Um, and she said, you know, um, as she was dying, Carol was like, what did you do? Why did you do this? And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Carol. Um, but he's all I've ever wanted. Like he's my son. He may be a monster, but he's my son. And that is kind of the end of it. You realize then that Carol, she helped the, this future people by stopping Ove, but she ended up losing still because Ove is now back in the past. Um, and she, Emma still doesn't want to tell why she can't, <laughs> you know, leave her, her diamond form and, and use her telepathy. Um, she tried to use it in the last issue, but like using it just a little bit, like made her pass out. So she went back into her diamond form. Jean so Grey tea. <laughs> Shady. Yeah, she, she passed out, you know, gave herself a little migraine trying to use, do something simple as take over somebody and she doesn't like doing that so she just stays in her diamond form uh jessica drew spider woman if you ever read the captain marvel the end story where in the future she reignited the sun you learned that spider woman is old and it's an old woman at this point and uh she kind of tells carol hey you know let's go have a conversation uh later please meet me in like a few minutes and when carol finally comes and meet her she is uh dead and it is because she told magic to use her life essence to send that Carol back to our current time. Um, and Carol is like sobbing and breaking down. She's like, why does she do this? And magic is like, I did not obviously want to do it. It was her decision. And you had to go back to your own time to see what's going on. Um, and Carol goes back to her own time. She also ends up breaking up with a roadie because she was in this future and she saw yeah. that yeah she has to sit down with him and she's like you know i saw this future and your daughter is amazing she was like she <laughs> carol was like standing for this girl she was like uh, you know <laughs> roadie this girl is so awesome she kicks ass and she's smart and she's beautiful but she's not mine 
And she was like, you know, it would always be in the back of my head that I was preventing this girl from existing. Um, so mm-hmm. she was like, I don't think that you and I can be together right now. She stopped and told him that, you know, we don't say it often, but I love you and I love you more than anything, but we can't be together right now and I need to go figure some stuff out. So Carol is back having completed a mission. Things didn't go all that great because by the time she gets back, she learns that this ship that had initially attacked her um, was sent by Ove. So Ove is somewhere like in our time. So she's probably got to deal with that. I don't know how that's going to be taken care of. But now we know that there is the son of Enchantress and Namor just kind of running around out in the Marvel Universe. And she's probably got to figure out how to fix that. Or you know what? After the end of this, she's supposed to go on this journey. I think the next issue she's going to be reconciling with her feelings, having been single. And then starting with 28, she starts a new arc with her learning about her magic weakness. She probably is going to be learning about how to take down Ove. Okay. Great issue. Uh, I've been loving the stuff Kelly Thompson has been doing this. Um, and I think the art is going to change soon. Uh, I can't remember the name of the artist, but I think they're getting a new artist on interior soon. So okay. Um, how do you feel about the the breakup? I, I, I can't I feel like you talked about the Carol Rody relationship. But I can't remember if you like it or not. You know what? I I did like it because, you know, me and relationships like <laughs> don't yeah. just sort of holding hold hands like show what they go through. And with them, they've shown them going through things. However, it's never been enough for me to really get behind their relationship because I was never into it in the beginning. You know, when they first got together, it felt much, it felt very much like they were putting the two soldiers together, you know, the two, Mm. the two heroes who had the most connection to being like soldiers a part of the army or something together and whenever they would have the two of them talk about their relationship it was very loving and they talked about supporting each other and you saw the insides of war machine's head when he would talk about feeling like he wants to support her and how powerful she is and you know he's just a guy in a machine but you know he's there to support her um but i've always felt like there was a bit of a disconnect because it did still feel like they were just putting the two soldiers together. Um, Got it. You know, so if it didn't start that way, I probably would have been more into it. But I think that because it started that way, I'd like to have her either be single or have her actually date someone instead of, you know, the way they started, they were just randomly like a couple. <laughs> you yeah, know what I, mean? I, was say, I think it was just they like were, one issue. They were just like making out and it was just like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> it was like one randomly one issue. They were a couple. And from there, they tried to give it a little bit of weight. But I would rather have seen her start to date someone and then have it turn into something, you know, instead Got of it. Got just it. them kissing each other. I wonder if um, I wonder if they'll take that into the MCU. Let's hope not. (laughs) 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 All right, so chugging right along. Um, New Mew is number 16 from Vita Ayala and Rod Rice. Now, I love the art of this. I kind of want Rod to do a full few issues of Excalibur now. Yeah, I do like his art. Yeah, his art's great. It's I love the watercolors and everything. It makes it uh, very different. I like it. Yeah, I. This issue was fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was this was fine. Yeah, I feel like I say that I said that about the last issue about New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I was a little bit more excited about the last issue of New Mutants because 
always excited for the direction they were going to take them. You know, the new mutants always end up getting into a trope of just bringing the band back together mm-hmm. um, without with very little story. But I like that the last issue you felt like, oh, this is the band back together, but they have some motivations of like teaching these new kids and everything. Um, this issue, I liked pieces of it, but I like the pieces of them all separately. <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of this together, like I felt like I was being thrown like six to seven different storylines all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, wait, why can't we just focus a little bit more on like maybe two or three of these and circle like the a, rest um, of them? It feels like an anthology book. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there are so many quote unquote new mutants instead of just being the you know, the typical ones that we know of Magic, Sunspot, yeah. Moonstar. Maybe now it also includes all of the younger new mutants. Not necessarily in the term of the group, but I mean literally new mutants. <laughs> which which <laughs> that, I don't mind. I, I enjoy that concept of like the new mutants kind of being about everybody and them teaching the newer class. But it, I don't know. It's just something that's not really resonating with me. And again, again like you said, I was excited for the previous issue um, and especially the one where Peter, Vita first joined on, and I was saying I felt like this was the new life injected into the series that it needed, but I'm kind of realizing it's is it necessarily the writing and the story, or is it just the art for me? Because mm. I love I, the art. I think I like, I think I do like the stories. I just, I don't think I like all of them all at once. I really do like what's going on with Cosmar and Shadow King. Um, I feel like Anol should probably know better, because I think he's older than the rest of them. I don't know. I, I, I feel like a lot of the new X, the new X-Men, like Academy X kids, their ages are like off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Or, or they end up getting being stuck where they were, you know, 15 years ago when they were like being written. Um, I feel like they should be a little bit older than how they're being drawn in this. But um, I'd like to think that Shadow King is a strong enough tele. He's a very strong. So I think he's strong yeah. enough telepath to control Anol or to have any of them have telepathic suggestions or something to control them. So I'm not too shocked by that. Um, I don't know. I do like the Shadow King stuff, but uh, I, and I I don't really like the uh, stuff going on with Wolfsbane and her son. Are they? Yeah. Did they just have it where? she learns that he's already been existing. Like they found out that he does, he is alive and he's just out there. Was that just a way for her to be done with the sun stuff and for her to be fully committed to the new mutants? Or is she going to leave the island now and go look for her son? I was about to say, I think she's supposed to leave and like go look for him or go try and look for some type of evidence that he's dead because she's saying that he is dead, but they're saying like, it's complicated. Maybe no, he's not. Mm. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Also, you know, I do like magic. And I thought that her reaction to stopping those other mutants from being bullies to those younger kids, I thought that her reaction to that and what she made them do was accurate. But her like voice and reasoning for it was off. I felt like she would definitely stop the kids from like, you know, picking on the younger kids. Yeah. But her reasoning for it all was a little off for me. Yeah, same. I also kind of feel that way about Danny. This Danny is just a little too den motherly for me. Um, yeah, it's just it's it just and like don't get me wrong, like Danny's kind of like taking care of the kids before she's been their teacher. She's been um, she's done this role, but it's never this 
almost overbearing, I guess. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I'm not the, like I said, I'm not the biggest New Mutants fan, so I don't know too much about them um, outside of Magic and Sunspot. You know, I do like Danny, but most of the things I know about Danny is that she just kicks ass. Like, I, I know that I she. Of, <laughs> I think of Danny as like a compassionate drill sergeant. See, I was going to ask about this because she seems to lead a lot more with compassion. A lot of her dialogue in this felt like Jean Grey. Like, oh, yeah. Because oh, I was about to say, I don't even know if I would say compassion. I would just say passion in general. Because <laughs> 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 um, she can get mad. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. That's spot on. Like, this feels like a Jean Grey. And like, Jean Grey and Danny are not the same girl. Exactly. They should be completely different. Jean, I feel like, would be the one to come to a mutant like Cosmar and say, you know, hey, I, you are beautiful. You don't have to change anything about yourself. And and the other kind of the way that Danny was reacting to Wolfsbane, you know, when she was like, you know, do you need my help? And she kept pressing the matter. She, yeah. She's like, do you want me to stay? Do you want me to stay? And yeah. Like, no, she's like, get on my face. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask that if if Danny was supposed to be that like den mother overbearing kind of thing but uh i wasn't sure if that was accurate but it seems like it is not danny was supposed to be elixir's legal guardian for a while like she barely interacted with the child <laughs> like i think people actually had to like remind her sometimes like you know you're his legal guardian right <laughs> oh wow I she don't like these that. kids uh but no um again like and i, I can understand what vita's trying to go for i'm just it's I don't know. I guess the take for me is just a little too out there. Mm -hmm. And um, it just doesn't feel that natural to me. Yeah. I also didn't know that Otherworld like changed your powers and stuff when you got inside of there. Um, you know, there was a moment where they have to go to Otherworld to get one of the newer mutants that ran away or not necessarily ran away. They were playing some game and had to like a scavenger hunt game and they had to take a picture in Avalon. And one of the kids is like, he got sent on something or whatever. He's lost there. And when they went inside, Richter told them, you know, be careful when you go inside your clothes, even your powers and stuff will change. I didn't know that was the case when they yeah, went into the world. I didn't know that either. And even the clothes thing is kind of like, everyone's clothes hasn't changed. Yeah. That felt like, that felt more like they wanted to have a moment of other world is like this portal to Dungeons and Dragons world. <laughs> when you go through there, you become like whatever your Dungeons and Dragons counterpart would be. And I'm not sure if I fully agree I'll be, with that. Or... <laughs> I'll be glad when, they, um, when we update the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing, you know, mm. I love a good magical land and all that good stuff, but we, we can modernize it a bit. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be a little bit. So yeah, I feel like this is fine. I'm still in, you know, I am not gonna drop the book yet but i feel like i'm i'm in yeah i'll pick up the next issue huh we'll see. um so <laughs> next up is wolverine number 10 and this is from percy and Kubert. now this is good i like this i thought it was a nice little again a wolverine story that feels like we've again fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was fine <laughs> it's fine it wasn't um, it wasn't anything to write home about but it was fine and you know i say this as a wolverine fan i think i'm just kind of 
tired of Wolverine do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see Maverick and kind of get like, again, uh, obscure mutants opinion on Krakoa and everything like that. And there's kind of the mystery that's going on with the people that he's working with and like who his allegiances lie towards. But that's like interesting for Maverick, not for Wolverine. You're right, right. I think it really just drove home the point of Wolverine talking about Krakoa being more about family and it's all about like this island of togetherness and everything. But kind of like you said, I feel like we already got that from (laughs) from Wolverine already. Um, I feel like we know how he feels about Krakoa. Uh, And as much as I did like seeing Maverick in this, I'm not really sure if I needed to have him feel so tropey as far as like his, he came off like the dude bro who didn't want to come back to Krakoa because even though he has the option to, because he's a mutant, Um, and they even offered him a chance to get his powers back, you know, or Wolverine offered him a a chance to get his powers back. You know, he was like, you know, you can, normally you could have taken a bullet and used the kinetic energy to do whatever. And he was like, you know, I don't want to come to your cult Island or whatever. I've got all these things and like grabs his dick. And I was like, I don't know if I needed to have all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Like we get it. He's just like the army dude. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe this I like book. I see Wolverine doing something different. Yeah, I need his motivations to change outside of him being Patch in Magipore. I'm glad that we got it. Fine, you got it out the way, but it's time to. <laughs> no, babe, we got to move past Patch. <laughs> All right, that's fine. I agree. Uh, but yeah, again, another fine issue. Yeah, definitely. And so, finally on the list, this is the long-anticipated X-Men number 18. We finally have returned to the Vault team. Darwin, Wolverine, and Sink are back. Hickman and Azra bring us this issue. What did you think? How did you feel? Were you excited? Were you Were you okay. waiting for them? Um, not necessarily, no. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I was excited for this because it was something... Uh, different and coming from Hickman, you know, I'm a Hickman fan. Um, I will say though, starting with the art, I've always liked Azra as an artist and I thought he was really mm-hmm. good, but I don't know what it was about this issue, but like his art was phenomenal in this. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it really I don't know what good. kind of update he did or like kind of upgrade he got, but like, wow, it was really, really good. Um, I like, I liked a lot of this. Uh, I, I enjoyed this issue. I was wondering if maybe I was going to become a Sync fan. <laughs> I did. I just, I never. I guess I never realized uh, if I liked him or not. I thought he was pr- pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm not really into like the Generation X squad, um, you know. But I'm shocked when people are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess Monet is in that squad though, right? People like Monet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I do like seeing this squad together i do love wolverine um she's dope um she is you know playing her part in this i love seeing mission wolverine even though i feel like when she's outside of that outside of being on a mission um she's different than this and a lot less callous but i Mm -hmm. feel like you know she can snap in and out of it when it's time to actually do a serious mission and for them this was a very serious mission considering they were in this like time distorted place um yeah i like the issue the children of the vault learn all about their that they're not ready (laughs) they leave they basically left the vault to see what was up and 
turns out the mutants are a lot more powerful and, and <laughs> together than they were expecting. So they have got to stay inside and, and I guess, incubate more. I will say, I did feel like the children of the vault weren't as menacing as they kind of were when they first appeared under those carry issues. Yeah. I don't know. It was a little bit, I don't know. And even like when the team was like fighting, well, I guess they got taken out pretty easily by Rogue Squad too. There they were. Yeah. Never mind. I don't, I think the children of the vault think that they're much stronger than they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> are they, are they, oh my God, they're like the Black Order. Where everyone thinks Basically. Like, he's like uber powerful character, and it's like no, they actually get beaten. They're like regular henchmen. <laughs> 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 it's fine. They're, they're, they get beat pretty easy. Okay. Right. Um, well, still, I still love their d- designs, um, and I still love their powers. They were cool to see, and it was like really interesting to see them fighting the trio and like how they all reacted differently. You know, when they put like the water bubble around Darwin's head and then he grew his gills and when the one burned sank and then, you know, he kind of used Laura's healing factor and then also started to mimic the fire abilities. We got that really cool data page about him, mutant resurrection as a whole and how the resurrection seemed to increase the way mutants use their powers or the capabilities, which I thought was like super, super interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. The whole like the husk hasn't been hasn't hasn't been mutant activated yet until the like uh the person is put back into their husk. And when they are, they end up getting this like increase because of it being the level of where they were when they first got the power. I'm sorry, not when they first got their power, the level of the where they were when they died. Um, and then when they get put into the husk the husk like activates that x gene but higher than where they were when they died which i think is really um an interesting thing they're setting so much up for like the way these mutants use their powers and how they can do it and like just the capabilities and giving the opportunity for growth natural growth instead of to say like oh this is just a random secondary mutation or something like that like which i really really appreciate in this new era yeah, I really did too. I like this issue a lot. I wonder where they're going to go though with the Children of the Vault. Um, you know, it seems like we saw them. We assume that they made it out of this, but this kind of ends with them basically taking out <laughs> most of the Children yeah. of the Vault. But then there's like this big explosion, and we've been told by Sync that you know they know that they made it out. We just all have this clear, this collective experience of it and our memories of it and everything uh, we did our best but i want to know how did they actually yeah make it out? And like do when are we going to get to the rest of the team kind of realizing that like oh did they die in the explosion and they had to be resurrected and that's when we'll see them again or is like mm-hmm. did they make it out of the explosion and when are we actually going to see the results of that again i like the children of the vault as villains i've always been really interested in in that whole group so i'm excited to get back to them and i like this issue as well yeah, I like that they I like that the children of the vault are like the accelerated you like humans, like they're still human, but like they've been accelerated through time or temporal like manipulation or whatever. I think that's yeah. really cool. Um yeah, I liked it. Good issue. Really nice way to end off the week. Definitely. One of my comics. All right. Well, that's the comics of the week. Let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back for the panel. Let's do it.
All right, everybody, welcome back to the panel section of the show. And this week, I wanted to have a panel on one of my favorite, all-time favorite characters, um, Static, Virgil Hawkins. And I wanted to do Super a little bit on hero, him. Static. Static. <laughs> 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 yes. uh, you know, you know the theme song. Um, everybody know that. And I wanted to give a little bit of a panel on him as well as Rocket, one of my other favorite Milestone characters, and just Milestone in general. You know, they are having this like resurgence with these new books coming out and um, wanted to do like a little bit of talk on that. So <clears throat> first off, before we even like get into questions in the comments and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to give a bit of a background, background on Static. Um, so my own personal connection with Static, I've said this before, um, and... I've said it plenty of times. Static was one of the first superheroes that I really saw myself in. Um, I had been a big Marvel fan already and the X-Men and everything. So I was already really into Sue and Jean and all that kind of stuff. But um, <clears throat> those are white women. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and as much as I can relate to their personalities, there was still a visual aspect to them that I just didn't connect with as much as Static, who is literally me, <laughs> um, okay. from him being into science and physics and all that kind of stuff to being a comic book nerd and all of the smart ass comments he makes, <laughs> even it's, it's very me. Um, and again, he kind of, he looks like me. So I was a big Static fan. I got into him from the TV show. I was a kid when the show came out. Um, and that was Static Shock on, I think it was like WB or whatever it came on back in the day. Um, and- WB, I remember I used to wake up all the time. Right, uh, what a time. And easily he became a fave of mine because you know I've always been into the energy manipulating characters. Um, you know, I've never really been into the like close combat fighty kind of characters. I like the, the long range characters, you know, throwing stuff and manipulating energy or something. And he was that, <laughs> and how could I not love that? So pretty much if, St if static was gay, he would pretty much be me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like to the T and, uh, yeah, so that was my first introduction there. And then I got into the comics cause my dad kind of like got me into the comics and stuff and wanted me to read more of him instead of just only watching the show and he had an initial like 45 issue run of a series called uh static and um static the the comic back then was pretty good they didn't focus too much they didn't try to hammer in him being like a black character as much as he was just a black character I don't know if that makes sense. Like it wasn't this forced dialogue of being reminded that he was black. He was just a kid, a black kid going through the regular stuff that other little black kids were going through. And yeah. for me, it, when I was a kid, that really hit because I felt the same. Um, I didn't really relate to a lot of his relationship issues, <laughs> but, but that was <laughs> my own personal uh, growth that I went through. And uh, yeah, he... His solo run, his initial solo run out of Milestone was pretty good. They gave him like this girlfriend um, named Daisy, but he was also really good friends with this girl, Frida. And they had the whole, you know, will they, won't they thing of Frida's the good friend and uh, Static is 
it's the nerd, but they like each other, but they won't really say how much they like each other. And Frida is, of course, they have the trope of Frida being into static, but she didn't know that static was Virgil because he had to hold the identity stuff. You know, they gave them those very quintessential 90s <laughs> tropes very, um, stories. Black cat Spider-Man type of thing. Yeah, very that. And um, yeah, so he went through a lot of that. They gave him a lot of different brand new, his own uh, villains, um, Hot Streak. You know, you had Holocaust. You had uh, this character Boombox, which I thought was pretty cool. Rubber Band Man, which I know people probably remember from the show. Um, <clears throat> uh, Puff, who you also saw from the show with the, the black girl with Afro Puffs and the gas and all that stuff. Uh, so they, they invented all these really cool and interesting characters back then that they had to work with instead of really having them go through the DC stuff. Um, but on the business side, the Milestone uh, company actually had something which was unprecedented at the time. And I don't even think it's really done that often now, which is they were published through DC, but they retained the rights to all of their characters. So normally whenever you work for any of the big two, you were work for hire. So anything that you create, mm -hmm. the company owns. But anything that the Milestone characters interacted with or anything that the creators kind of came up with, um, it was theirs. DC didn't own that. Okay. They could still have the rights to all that. So that actually is why you ended up not getting a lot of static stuff later on because the... Unfortunately, Dwayne McDuffie, who created Static and was with Milestone back in the day, he passed away in uh, 2011. And after he passed away, um, the rights still retained with Milestone. So they would need Milestone's permission to kind of do anything with Static. And the rights went back to uh, the McDuffie estate, which was his wife. Um, so she was also capable of starting anything with static as well as stopping anything so the rest of the milestone crew they tried to have a bit of a resurgence with a milestone like a few years ago but that didn't work out because they um from what i could sell they tried to do it without the wife they kind of just wanted to get the stuff out there they probably felt like they didn't need her permission to do it because they were mm -hmm. also like the creators you know they were the ones who also were yeah. there with with Dwayne. but legally they did need her permission um Thankfully, all of that was cleared up last couple years ago, I think, last year or two years ago. 2020 was a blur, so <laughs> who knows okay. when it actually was. And they cleared all that up, um, and now we're getting more static stuff. And I'm excited for what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, I think Static is an, an awesome character. The thing I have with him is, and we'll get into this a little bit later, I wish that he was able to grow up a little bit, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I've I've liked a lot of his comics. You know, his his tagline is something that is that resonated with me and still to this day, which was "Don't start none, and it won't be none." And okay. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> that, that that is very me. And uh, a lot of the characters that I end up gravitating towards kind of match that energy, which is you know they're fine as long as you don't bother them. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, they had a lot of really great characters with that static interacted with, you know, he went and uh, took on the shadow cabinet, which was basically like, I don't want to say like the masters of evil, but they were like the bad guys who got together and created their own kind of syndicate that they worked together kind of thing. Um, they 
he was also on a different kind of team called the Heroes, which probably needed a bit of a uh, a better name than just Heroes. But they were yeah. a bunch of different Dakota heroes that got together and they just called themselves that. Um, oh, like said, that's actually kind of cute. I like it's that. cute. Yeah, they like I said, they needed a little bit of uh, something a little bit more catchier than just Heroes. <laughs> But yeah. And so after all that happened, he was pretty much just in the Dakota side of things. And when Final Crisis took place in DC, they used that opportunity to actually bring some of the milestone characters over into uh, DC. So this is kind of where I talked about static being miles back in the day, basically. Mm, yeah. And you know how with Secret Wars, like, the main thing they did out of that was bring Miles over to the main universe. <laughs> and yeah. out of Final Crisis, uh, although there was a plenty of things that happened there, they used that opportunity to bring Static over into the DC side. And um, I think Static ends up joining the Teen Titans for a little bit. Um, the way yeah, they had it work that. was he came through or excuse me, not necessarily came through, but like all of everything had converged into into one thing. And uh, Static was on the Terror Titans, which was like Darkseid's like evil uh, Teen Titans that he had. And he had them all like basically fighting in this fight club. And Static mm-hmm. <laughs> was one of the members in that. And he appears there, goes through, the, goes through the fight club. He obviously wins a lot of his matches because Static is not... Um, not very weak at all. Uh, he also is, I think there needs to be a little bit of some clarification with his powers. I think people think he has electric powers like uh, Black Lightning, but he's his powers are electromagnetic. So they're much more closer to Magneto than they are to a Black Lightning or or think of it like a mix of both, a Black Lightning and a Magneto. Okay. Uh, there's the science reason behind it, which is that... Uh, a high enough um, electric current can create magnetic moments. And the same thing with magnetic moments, two opposite magnetic fields can create a lightning uh, field. I'm not going to get nerdy with this. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, come on, science nerd. You know, I was just like, all right, he's getting into it. But again, yeah. like, this, this this makes sense about also fits with all the characters that you like. That I like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't get too in, into like the actual physical application of his powers, but they... That's the way they kind of work. And uh, yeah, so he was with the Terra Titans for a bit as like this uh, mind controlled, uh, you know, fight club kid. And he has a fight with Rose Wilson. I think her name was Ravager at the time. Y'all know. Uh, that is Slade Wilson's daughter. daughter. Yeah. And uh, they and she ends up like breaking him out of his mind control. They break out of that and he joins up with Miss Martian and Aqua Girl, and they all like leave and win. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of her, after he is leaving from the whole Terra Titans thing, he ends up joining the uh, Teen Teen Titans. Yeah. And he has like a cute little relationship with Lorena. They like, you know, flirt a little bit and kick things off. I thought they were kind of (laughs) cute together. Um, I miss Lorena. Yeah. If, If they bring her back, I would wish that they could somehow have static in her like get together. well i think that's the thing now you know with like infinite frontier is that 
all universes, all characters oh, and yeah. stuff like that exist, so they can probably pull them out. But I know, is that also, I don't know if that goes with the Milestone characters, because they've also been created as their own universe, correct? Yeah, so they haven't necessarily they moved said them over that, to like, their own universe. Right. They haven't necessarily said exactly if they are over in their own universe. Whenever they talk about the milestone characters, they just say specifically where they are. Like, you know, they're in Dakota or wherever, but they haven't really confirmed that they're on their own Earth. You know, um, when they were talking about bringing these characters back, they said that they would be on their own Earth and it would be Earth M instead of a number. It would be M for like milestone and all that. But um, I don't know. I personally feel like that is fine. However, people are going to want to see these characters interact with the DC characters that they know, you know, um, you one want to of see Rockets with like Black Lightning or yeah. like Superman and Rocket. And I don't know, they probably want to put on Young Justice so show over like a Zaytana or something like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. People are going to want to see that, especially now after um, the popularity of the Young Justice TV show where they have seen some of these milestone characters on the show interacting like that people are going to want to see that so i hope that if they are on their own world i hope that eventually i don't know there's another crisis or something <laughs> that they bring them all together well, there will be don't worry about <laughs> don't you worry you're feeling right about that there's definitely gonna be another crisis <laughs> you're right about that um so yeah a static was with the teen titans for a bit and he kind of felt like you know his parents probably think that he's dead and or whatever and he had no really place to go so he stayed with the teen titans for a while um some fun adventures there this is during the jeff johns era so wonder girl was leading them um some great stuff over there i actually ended up getting into the jeff johns stuff because static was on the team um, <laughs> and i need to go back and reread a lot of that uh because i didn't read a lot of it before he joined um i read some of it but not a lot of it uh but yeah great time there and then there was <laughs> Sure enough, there was another crisis that happened, and that was the New 52 stuff that happened, and they gave Static his own book out of that. Oh, I remember that. That was the one um, Felicia Henderson wrote it, I think. Um, Is that who it was? I don't remember who. No, I think there was a guy that wrote it. I could I be wrong. There I, was some static series that was written by a woman named Felicia Henderson, if I recall correctly. I just remember that it was not very well received, and it was yeah. like a big deal because people were worried that it meant DC was going to like try and shell static again. Yeah. I will say that it was not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, obviously I'm a huge fan of static. So I was excited for him to finally get his own series and it would be, it was his first solo series since his last one in the nineties. So uh, this was him getting, you know, his shine this was the new era of art and everything. We're finally in like a kind of a more modern age of comics too, but the, the book was not good. I do mm. not recommend it. <laughs> um, there was a lot of weird stuff that went on. They gave him like a clone sister and y'all know how I feel about clones. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they gave him like a clone sister and there was this weird stuff going on with his powers. There was a lot going on. So yeah, definitely don't recommend, recommend that. Uh, so that book ended up getting canceled and, after that, Static kind of floated in obscurity. He was he appeared a little bit in this Teen Titans run that came out during the New 52 um, because he had an internship at Star Labs and they would kind of bring him around. He was only in like a couple issues there where he met up with Red Robin. His powers hadn't even really activated. So he was just Virgil. Um, 
again, I think that there were plans to do things with Static. However, he was behind so much, you know, red tape that he couldn't really be used because of legal issues where his rights are with the estate and DC couldn't necessarily just do whatever they wanted to do with him. Um, so he kind of ended up being kind of left on the sidelines for a little bit there. Um, same thing kind of happened with Rocket. She was really cool character, um, Black girl. Uh, she can create and absorb uh, kinetic energy, and she used them to make force fields. So whenever she put a force field around something, if you added kinetic energy to it, you would make it stronger. Um, they didn't really block energy stuff, so that was kind of her weakness there. Um, she could also fly and, and stuff like that. She got her powers originally from a piece of Icon's belt. And Icon is an alien who literally is just like Superman. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really don't even have to go through his whole backstory because pretty much just make it Superman's is the same thing. Alien. Superman template 654. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Same thing. Superman template. And uh, part of his ship, uh, they like reconfigured into this belt. And that's where she got these powers from. Um, this like kind of belt. Later on, I think they tried to give her the powers naturally. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there, what they would do in the relaunch of it, but we'll see. Um, but she's a really cool character. She was also like a teen mom. Teen mom. I was about to say a big thing about her was that she um, had a baby too. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, um, especially at that time back in the 90s with... Uh, that that stuff kind of was never really shown in comic books. You know, right. everyone was very cookie cutter and straightforward with things, but I've always liked that the milestone characters all felt authentic and they felt like real people, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, she was a teen mom, but that didn't necessarily define her. It wasn't the end of her life or the end of her story. So she was still able to still be a superhero. You know, she stood up to Batman at one issue, Um after they had crossed over, Batman had something to say and she was all up in his face like, you know, I'll beat your ass Sorry. if you say something like that again. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciated that. Um, so, yeah, I've all, those two have always been kind of my my bigger milestone faves. Have you had like a lot of connection with the milestone characters? Um, so like most people, I actually discovered Static through a Static Shot cartoon. I actually yeah. didn't know there was a comic book until like years later. Oh, okay. um, and I don't I don't even remember how I figured it out. I think I saw like one of the images with the really old costume he used to wear and he had the hat on and he's yeah, on yeah. that cover. Um, and I was just like, oh, wow. I was like, it's Static Shock. And then that's when I kind of did a deep dive and I learned a little bit more about Milestone. And I realized that like, oh, his name is just Static, not Static Shock. And started just exactly. <laughs> um, getting more into that and got into to the milestone universe a little bit more started learning about those characters like you i i really enjoy rocket um you know i love a female character i love a kind of girl who's like up in your face and it's like what's the, like you said that scene of her up in batman's face you know instant love again with virgil i feel the connect i'll admit it's not as strong as the one that you might have had <laughs> you know virgil didn't look like me again like mine would have been like with calder that's who my like connect got it was yeah with. Yeah. You know? Um, but I always did really appreciate Virgil and the static shot cartoon just for what it did and what it brought and kind of and how it really did put the culture in there and show so many different types of heroes, rubber band man, puff, all of them. Like you remember that. Mm -hmm. They stick out in your head. Like people have been clamoring for more static shot content forever. So like I think that just shows you 
the longevity that the character has, the influence that he has, the power that he has, the international implications that he has, you know? <laughs> like, um, know that's right. <laughs> Static is that guy. And I'm excited for the milestone relaunch and kind of what they do with it and how they're going to go about it. Like you, I think I would prefer if Static was aged up just a little bit, but I understand if he's not. Um, I'm definitely still going to get the first few issues just to see how it reads. I'll probably buy like my little brother a couple too. You know, yeah. I'm trying to start my younger siblings very early on their journey right. into comics. So I want to make get sure that comic agenda going. Yeah, you know, so I got to do that. Um, I'm definitely excited for the Rocket content, though. Like, I'm yeah, more Rocket content. I'm excited for that book. I think that um, I'm a little nervous about the writing on that book uh, because I believe the same writer who is writing the Icon and Rocket book also wrote the Milestone Zero issue. Um, so, and the zero issue wasn't as great as I thought that it could be. Um, and again, I love all of those creators who created the milestone universe. This, they're like legendary. The, the way, the, with the things that they were able to accomplish back then, you know, this was during that time where a lot of the big two writers were leaving. Um, so they were leaving and creating image. I think I want to say that milestone was created around the same, maybe, either a year before or even the same year as as image was created where people oh, were kind yeah. of thinking you know i don't have to be tied to the big two i can go and do my own thing yeah. um goodness for that right <laughs> uh, so they'll always you know have a place for that but i feel like their views on on a lot of things kind of be a little bit uh not yeah, as current and a little dated. So I would hope that we get some new or fresher writers on stuff, which is funny that I said that on the last episode. And now that they just announced that Vita is going to be writing static. Yeah. <laughs> I think Are that's great. Are you excited great. for that? Yeah. That. So the DC Milestone uh, Infinite Zero issue, static, they revamped his story. You know, they've made it where he's at a Black Lives Matter rally instead of a gang thing. And that's fine with the modernization of it. However, some of the things that were going on around Static felt a little dated as far as how they were speaking. Um, like Static's dad <laughs> um, was yeah, talking man. a little weird. Yeah. Um, the clan. <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, however, I don't think that Vita will have that happen with Static. Um, okay. I think that she will probably be able to capture a real a real great voice for Static. Obviously, I don't know. We'll see when the when the book launches. And it's a digital first issue. And when they announced it, it'll be available, I think, on Comixology, but it'll also be available on the DC Infinite app. So I don't know if that oh, means okay. it's, I don't know if that means it's like free. On the I'm app, say, on that, the, does, that doesn't seem like a good selling strategy. Yeah. So all the DC milestone books are uh, digital first series. But and, it's also DC, so that sounds like something they would do. Right. Hype you up in the beginning. <laughs> or or even just not even do the selling part right, because, yeah. hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am excited to see what they do, because I do like Vita. And um, I think that if you give her a character like Static where they're, I'm sorry, if you give them a character like Static, they'll be able to do a lot more than kind of what they have been able to do in New Mutants because it's just Static, you know? Yeah. Um, 
it's a solo book versus a team book with like 15 characters in it you can focus on static and his stuff and, and what you want to show with him so i'm excited to see what they do with with static i'm a little apprehensive about the icon and rocket book and i haven't necessarily been the biggest hardware fan hardware is another character that is getting his own solo run out of that and hardware is like iron man basically but like not rich <laughs> um, <laughs> or at least he wasn't born that way i should say he is a he basically is like the black guy who made it out the hood and also like built himself a ship I mean, i'm sorry a suit of armor so um he is going to have a different voice than iron man but he has the same kind of abilities and kind of the same similar issues with iron man with you know the corporate business stuff but he is i think i might pick that one up so um only just because i think brandon thomas is writing that oh nice did, yeah uh, he did he did yeah. the future state aquaman issue so i would like to see what else he has to offer yeah and see see again i feel like having someone like brandon thomas on hardware will be able to kind of bring hardware to now you know yeah and instead of making him like you know talk like yeah you know I'm still from the hood. And, okay. <laughs> yeah, and all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> I feel like that Brandon will be able to still make him feel like a black character, but still make him an authentically black and not just, uh, you know, some sound bites and word bites. I think yeah. that there's a fine line between being authentic and a stereotype. And I think that having some younger writers come in and and really cement who they are in the modern times, you can kind of get them to be more authentic and less of a stereotype. Yeah. I think one thing that I'm really excited for with this milestone relaunch and everything is just the expansion of the entire milestone universe. I remember when they announced the reboot a couple years ago, they had like all these books that were supposed to come out with it. Like there was a new static series. Uh, there was the rocket and icon. They had like a book with like some female warriors on it. And oh yeah was, yeah like all of that and it was I'm, also supposed to be a girl named amber who she was supposed to yeah. be like she was like black but she had like blonde hair and she was supposed to be like a very like around the way kind of girl but she had yeah. superpowers yeah <laughs> so um and even when you were just talking about you know static and his little group calling themselves the heroes i think that's one of the things that's kind of like really stopped i mean i mean obviously the legal issues in red tape has stopped it from really doing anything but then once you get to milestone it kind of becomes static rocket icon hardware and then it stops yeah. and so if you have people you know everyone doesn't latch on to every character so it's like if you have people and who doesn't latch on to any of them it's like what else do you have to grab so with this in these digital first series i'm hoping they're successful i'm hoping that they make enough noise that dc really starts to put forward the effort into mm -hmm. making milestone the thing that it can be especially you know they don't have the vertigo imprint anymore so milestone really taking over that space and being able to launch a kind of whole new universe and a whole new line of books to introduce new characters this is the time especially like more people are getting into comic books every day digital leadership is up yeah i would hope that we are able to evolve those older characters while still being able to present new ones um primarily because static and rocket you know they debuted or they really hit anyway when you and i were kids we were teenagers yeah. um now we're 30 <laughs> and i don't necessarily need to see 
static or rocket going through the high school stuff anymore. I'm not going to really relate to that. And I would think that they wouldn't want to redo that personally because like they've rebooted static like three times. And each time it's always the big bang he goes through and then he goes through the whole high school stuff. And then they give him a few issues or have many issues. And then they restart it again. And he goes back through that. Personally, I feel like it's time to like push him forward. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to do more because the, the audience who latched on to static, I don't think would necessarily latch on to static in high school still. I think they're probably mm-hmm. going to want to see static a little older and do something a little bit different than what they've known him to do. Um, you know, but nostalgia sells. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, his TV show was mostly all of him in high school and people love that. Mm-hmm. So uh, they may want to just recapture that, but I would hope that they push him forward all those characters forward while still creating new ones i don't think that we need to have you know the black version of a lot of white characters although that does help because a lot of not every new character is going to be miles morales or not every character new character is going to be static you know when static hit it um sometimes in order for that black character to prosper it'll only help if they are the new version of something else. But I would hope that at this point now that we would start to kind of push more of these newer characters that you created uh, instead of trying to just make the black version. Yeah, agree. Yeah, I mean, I've seen stuff about them having this new Superman stuff with uh, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates like writing it. And I don't know where people got the idea that it was going to be a black <laughs> Superman. I feel like people just assume that because the writer was black <laughs> as if he can't <laughs> write like white Superman, which I think is weird. Um, but I also just don't think we need a black Superman when icon is right there, <laughs> you know, or, or any other, like uh, you could get steel. <laughs> he's right. He's right there. Oh, if you steal. You know, there are other options for you to take than just doing something like that. And that's why I always appreciated what Milestone did, because, you know, they had gay characters. They had all kinds of stuff in there and they just did. They just went for it and did it and kind of let the let the audience catch up rather than trying to appease something. You know, Uh, that's what that's what kind of set Milestone apart from from other publishing companies. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I always appreciate when you like give the history of Milestone. Oh yeah, you know I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like you know, it's just it's just so much, and I realize that a lot of people always don't know about the legal parts of it, and you know, everyone's yeah. been ecstatic to come back for a really long time. They didn't know why, and it's like you've always been really good to be like, no, it's like not because they don't want to use them, it's because they literally can't. They, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> and if they do, they'll get sued. I believe that that was when they made those announcements before. Um, like the like we just talked about with that new static series, that Amber book, and uh, yeah. that couple with all those uh, warrior women, that was done like without the permission of the McDuffie estate. So oh. that's why none of that came to happen. That came yeah, to be. I didn't know that. Yeah, they came and did all that. This was at SDCC, a San Diego Comic Con, like a few years yeah. ago. I think back in 2017, 2018 or something like that. Um. So, you know, they were hype and excited about doing all of that, but didn't realize that they actually still actually needed the estate's permission to do any of that. So all of that <laughs> got scrapped yeah. and pulled because they legally just could not 
kind of do that stuff. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of things that happen with these characters that is, it was beneficial for the character because you don't end up having someone take the character and do whatever they want with them for their own gain or whatever kind of story they wanted to tell. Um, But it ends up having the character be shelved because no one can touch them unless they get the full permission for that. Right. But I think now, like I've said that the, they've settled that case um, in California and they've completely, you know, uh, hashed that all out. So now he's able to kind of come back and all those milestone characters really, can kind of come back and be used. I really hope that they are given the attention that they deserve and need and they really kind of hit. I think that Miles right now, um, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, I think is filling the role that Static had when like we were teenagers and and is hitting that. So I would hope that the Milestone people kind of realized that and would kind of market these some of not all of them but just some of the milestone characters to just a different audience because um you know not only has static already done that but your audience who likes them have all kind of grown up so yeah Um, i i'm excited for the return i want some new cartoons yeah so uh, supposedly when they made this announcement about uh the static and milestone characters coming back at the most recent dc fandom they had talked about there being a static movie in the works as well as some other like static content now the static movie i believe was also going to be produced by michael b jordan i believe that he was a his production company was involved in that um which like I feel like there's a thing that happens in like the nerd community where they find out about like one black person and they attach them to everything. (laughs) And I feel like that's happening with Michael B. Jordan where he, if there is any kind of black role, (laughs) they instantly like fans and creators sometimes instantly like, Oh, Michael B. Jordan, (laughs) instead of like into like superheroes and comic books and anime and stuff also. Yeah, and I feel like that's like the only black person that they know for that instead of actually doing some research and really pulling in some stuff. Um, But I think it's cool that he wanted to kind of help get that movie done. Um, We'll see if it ever really comes to fruition or or when. Y'all know I'll be the first one there, but uh, they do have some more content from them coming. I do think a lot of these characters would hit a lot more in animation. Um, And you see a lot more of their cultures and stuff play out on TV or wherever you watch it versus, uh, you know, reading a comic. Uh, so I would hope that animation in, ends up becoming the next kind of thing that they do. But so far, I've only heard that they want to do a, a static movie. Okay. We'll see. Maybe I should audition. <laughs> you should. I'm not quite too, I'm too I'll, old I'll, to be I'll, I'll bring a sign. I'll bring a sign. <laughs> no, you look very young. It's going to work out. But yeah, I like a lot of the milestone stuff. Um, if you guys have any kind of milestone stuff, definitely tweet me about it because you know I love those characters. Um, but I really think that there's this resurgence of them that I hope really sticks around and really helps push a lot of diversity with characters. Um, and that you know we can have diversity without having to just change another character into being black. Yeah. Okay, well, this is just a super quick uh, milestone panel, an update from them. I'm super excited for everything that comes back with Static. Um, Let's take a break and then we'll come back. 
All right, all right, all right. We are back for another rewatch of WandaVision's episodes seven and eight. Yes, yes, yes. So like, um, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I can't talk enough about how awesome this show is. Like, uh, they really are like going for it and um, pushing the boundaries of like what they've really done known for in the MCU. And with with Scarlet Witch, a character I normally do not like. <laughs> okay, MCU Scarlet Witch is everything, and so like, and uh, obviously we're gonna get a little bit more into this later on um, as we talk into that episode. But I love that this is what I guess writers have been trying to tell with Wanda. Yeah, uh, about the type of character that she is, but it's like actually well done here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a lot better than what she's been getting in the comics, um, and a lot more. I guess sympathetic, like you kind of feel for the things that she's done. Yeah, and like that's never something I've ever felt for the Scarlet Witch. Also, I guess I never realized until you know these last few episodes that she's never been called the Scarlet Witch in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you really ain't paying attention to her. (laughs) I really, I really was not. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, she's. uh, They never called her that. Uh, She's never had a code name. I think, which I thought was on, like prior to this current episode, I assume that that was on purpose because of them wanting to do something where it was a title that was passed along. Because I think at the time that she was introduced, they were also giving her a solo book, comic book. And yeah, she did have they, that. I think in that solo book is when they kind of really established that the Scarlet Witch title is a title that is like passed along or whatever. So um, I had a feeling they were going to get to that. Wasn't sure I'd ever see it, but here we are. <laughs> right. Um, so, w- which episode did you prefer, seven or eight? Um, definitely eight. Jane's <laughs> level witch. I should have known. <laughs> I'm sorry. Definitely eight. <laughs> <laughs> it was giving, and you know, normally I don't even like magic like that, but like, wow. <laughs> oh, the game's level witch. You know, um, it's um, the the acting no, it was, good, was superb. The um. The effects the, of the magic. So, how do you do you how do you watch do you watch Wandavision in the dark? Of course, I do. Okay, okay. I, just sure. I was like, because you know, I was talking to someone about it. I was like, I watched it like they we were talking about the show, and I said, oh no, I can't watch it until later because I wasn't up at two a.m. to watch it like most of everybody else was. Um, I watched it at midnight, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just like, yeah, um, I can't watch it yet. I have to wait until it's dark outside. And they're like, why do you have to wait until it's dark? I was like, no, it's like a movie. You got to watch it like all the lights off in the dark, pitch black. Like that's how you get the full effect. Yeah. You got to get into the mood. You got to like set the scene up, you know, um, make your own home theater, <laughs> you know? Okay. Get some popcorn. Yeah. Get all your snacks ready. Or some popcorn. Um, oh, that sounds good. I might get that later. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this, these two episodes. Uh, seven was, Fantastic. Although I loved eight, seven was just, I mean, it was good too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Seven is when we get Monica, you know, uh, getting her powers later and all that kind of stuff. This uh, seven was the episode that was based on Modern Family, which I thought was (laughs) so cute. cute. They did that really well. Yeah, I thought that was really done. I used to be a fan of Modern Family back in the day. Um, Yeah, I used to watch those first few seasons. That show was hilarious. (laughs) Um, I fell off it uh, towards the end and I never kind of went back and finished it. But um, it was instant that you knew the motif that they were following with 
with the way that this this episode yeah. was shot and all that kind of stuff. I thought that, well, that was great. Um, I know that Catherine Hahn, she was on um, The Office, I believe. Um, I think it was Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec, sorry. Yeah, she was in Parks and Rec. So like she has um, like that whole breaking the fourth wall comedy style already. So I knew that she was going to kill that. <laughs> and when she walked in and said, I'm glad I walked in when I did, because she was one split it away from cutting her own bangs. Okay. <laughs> I that was <laughs> really funny. Her comedic timing is perfect, man. Like, seriously, again, and I know we've been saying this every time we talked about the show, but the work that everyone is doing in terms of their acting is just so good and so well done. And truly, I know award shows love to go against the superheroes, but we need Emmys for everybody. Yeah, for sure. They just go ahead and start passing them out because um, everyone on this show is bringing their good acting and shouldn't be, you know, uh, stigmatized because they're in a superhero show. <laughs> they're they're doing right. just as well as any other drama or any other hospital show. I think that they are just as good. Um, yeah, this episode, you know, it starts off with them having this whole uh, modern family take and Wanda is like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to leave the bed. Everything that went on crazy last night, because on the previous episode on six, uh, she expanded the hex <laughs> and, you know, okay. exerted a lot of power. The morning time is clear and she's like, you know, I just want to stay inside. Things are going crazy. The twins are specifically Billy is questioning, you know, what's up with Uncle P? He said these things and she's like, that's not your uncle. Okay, um, that's Billy, not right. Billy be paying attention. He is the star. He is the future. Watch him. I see. I see. You are getting all the wicked. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's gonna. We're gonna probably see him grow up at some point. I'm sure. Um, and then uh, they. So they. She's like talking with the twins. They say, "What's up with Uncle P?" And uh, they don't uh, trust anything that he's doing. Wanda says, "I don't want to." talk about that don't trust him he's not your uncle also i don't have any answers <laughs> which felt like <laughs> um very realistic you know people don't realize that there's no book for being a parent <laughs> you know um you just have to do it the best you can and no not every parent has all the answers so i appreciate that they kind of put that in there and uh sure enough right on cue agnes shows up in time to kind of help out with the kids and she takes the kids away and uh wanda is having her like cereal while she gets inside stays inside and uh eats cereal and watches whatever on tv you know her comfort sitcoms um and then we finally get to see vision wake up and of course this since the hex had been expanded and his body was brought back into the hex um he's up and able to move around but everyone on around him is in a circus because that's what got turned that's what wanda turned sword into um which is really really funny in my opinion um, yeah <laughs> and we get darcy who is this um escape artist and she's in all these chains and uh she's like you know hey guy i don't know who you are and vision's like are you sure we just like locked eyes like not even five minutes ago <laughs> um, he was like we had that moment don't you remember like right before i died <laughs> <laughs> and she's like uh no i don't and she <laughs> escapes from her chains uh they finally you know he wakes her up and she is able to come to and um which i really want to know like 
the actual specifics behind why he's able to wake people up from the hex yeah i haven't been understanding that like i'm assuming he's like phasing into them their brain or something or doing something to mess with the neural i don't know i don't get it i don't get it either i know that it has maybe it's got something to do with like the control that they're under and he's able to like i don't know hack into it somehow i don't know um because I know that the last time he's ever, ever done like that specific type of like I'm touching it and interacting with it, it's usually another machine. Like when he did it with uh, Ultron and Age of Ultron and he shut Ultron out or when he phases through things, it's usually um, another machine that he's interacting with, but not a person. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe somebody could break that down to me. Um, but anyway, she's broken out of it. They steal this uh, truck and escape from the circus and while they're in traffic, everything that you could think of to stop you from moving forward in traffic ends up happening and the light turns red. Um, randomly, there's a a group of kids crossing the street and then randomly a construction site comes and you know, Vision is like, I think my wife is trying to prevent me from coming home right now and this is her doing, which really shows you just how powerful that Wanda is, you know, when mm. she's miles away from any of these people and all of them are able to just follow her, her control. Um, so he's like, you know, I don't got to deal with this. I can just fly out of this <laughs> and leave. And um, we get to a scene of Monica Rambo, you know, she's with Jimmy. She goes in, gets her, uh, this suit that she had been talking about. Now, people have been making their guesses about who this aerospace engineer was. That I was just so sure it was going to be Reed Richards or Blue Marvel. <laughs> to the point they had them trending. <laughs> had <Right>? them trending. <laughs> Which I do appreciate the Blue Marvel trend. I will not lie. I would like that momentum to continue. If you guys want to trend every week, I'm absolutely okay with that. Let's push that as much as we can. <laughs> I do love that. When I saw that, I was like, I know Keenan is going to like love the fact that Blue Marvel is literally trending right now. Um, and it's because people know who he is. So hopefully they would we're getting, learn. We're, we're getting we're getting there. We're moving. <laughs> the, the agenda is at work. OK, like it's coming. Um, but uh, sadly, or to anyone's, you know, upset feeling, it was not anyone that a lot of people were guessing. No, it was not Reed Richards. It was not Blue Marvel. It was just um, a woman. I cannot actually think, remember her name. <laughs> yeah, wasn't she like um, Maria's friend or something like that? Yeah, it was something like Maria Rambo's friend or something, something to do with her connection with Maria and supporting whatever Maria had going on prior to when she passed away. Um, so she got this, she gets this suit and this like battle cruiser thing for her to ram through and get her way through the through the hex and um on the inside of the hex wanda is still like trying to have her staycation at home and and deal with her day-to-day -day, but like things are glitching <laughs> and and things are going out and changing back to either something from the 1960s or something from like the 2000s but that's shouldn't be the, that way and uh wanda's like you know she can't figure out why things are not the way she wants them to and why she can't fix them um and then we get back to monica and she's like you know i'm ready to ram through she gets back into her ship rams through the 
hex and the hex does not let it in at all. It's, it's that powerful. And um, she tries to push through, it gets like half through a little bit and, but the hex, the density of the hex is mix or changing itself to match the density of the truck so that it can't get through and monica has to like jump out of the ship and half of it gets through and it gets like shoots back out and half of the truck had been changed um into it looked like like an ice cream truck or something like the first yeah. half of it um while the other half that didn't make it through the hex is still you know sword looking and monica has this moment where she's like you know i i think i can push through this like i can get through the hex so sure enough, she runs through and you get this really kind of touching moment um, from Monica as she pushes her way through the hex. And if you are really into like someone being determined and like pushing through adversity, uh, you really feel the emotion that uh, Tiana Paris is conveying because she is really <laughs> pushing her way through this hex while you yeah. hear these voices of her Monica, I'm sorry, of her mom. Um, and Carol talking about her being the toughest bunch and Lieutenant Trouble and her being able to push through things. And uh, she finds this like will to push through and this determination. And I like to think that that was her being able to change and into some kind of energy and she was pushed, mm -hmm. she pushed her way through that. Um, and I thought that the moment of her pushing through was cool, but what was cooler was when she actually made it through the other side and opened her eyes and oh, and the spectrum effects, the spectrum effect. I thought that was really cool. And she could like see the entire like energy spectrum and everything. And she was like looking around like, and is this real or am I on acid? <laughs> like, yeah, like, no, that I think that was an amazing bit for her and to finally kind of see her powers. Cause you know, that's something I've been wondering how they were going to do with her and the yeah. show or once we got to the mcu is just show the spectrum powers because obviously they're not going to have her as some type of light form 24 7 and then you know we've seen kind of i guess x-ray specs and night vision and how things like that have been showed previously and you didn't really think the mcu was going to do anything that we've seen before and see how they did it and it's just like yeah this looked really good it looked right good. yeah i've like i said i've been loving what they've been doing with the mcu and the way that they really care about the source material and uh will change when necessary and but will will still respect uh the the comics or whatever and i've always wondered how kind of like you what were they going to do with monica's powers because she is kind of overpowered <laughs> so i wondered how they were going to show it and show it enough where audiences wouldn't misconstrue her powers for what carol can do you know so um if they had her already glowing or whatever and shooting blasts and stuff, people would kind of think that her powers were similar to Carol's, but they're different. So I really appreciated that they, when they showed her looking around, she could like visibly see the spectrum or whatever. I thought that was really, really cool. Are you in the camp of the Hex gave her her powers or the Hex activated her dormant power? You know, I go back and forth on that because okay. I... I can see both sides of it. I can see how there could have been something before because technically they already saw that something was up with her after she had already been through the hex twice. So she fell in and then got pushed out. And then they already saw that, you know, something was up because we checked you on these scanners and uh, the screen is all white. So you were like too bright. 
Um, but when she went back through that third time, um, then that's when she kind of got her power. So I can kind of see it on both sides. Personally, I don't want her to be tied to that girl at all. So <laughs> I don't I don't want her powers to come from from Wanda, like in the least bit. I don't think she needs to um, get her powers from the hex or even the radiation of it. Um, but if that's the case, I would want them to further emphasize that it is from the radiation of the hex and not the hex itself, even though the radiation wouldn't exist without the hex. Um, but you know, at least then it kind of gives it a little less tie to Wanda directly, because if you can, if she can do that and give her powers, then why come she can do that to a bunch of other people, you know? Mm. Um, and I would like that. I would think that they had the power limits under control from from something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that that scene was really really cool. Then you go on and you get her trying to run up in Wanda's house, and Wanda ain't about that. <laughs> you know, like, girl, why are you back here? She's like, How you? <laughs> because I gotta kick you out. <laughs> she was like, girl, I, I don't know who the hell told you was just walk up in my house, but that's not how we do things around here. Um, and she, you know, psychokinetically like grabs the girl and and uh, lifts her up in the air. And she's like, I don't believe anything you're saying. You know, all you do is lie. Um, even Pietro was you. And she's trying to tell her by she, I mean, Monica, she's like, you know, no, that's not true. Um, Pietro wasn't us. That wasn't us at all. But uh, Wanda's not trying to hear it. She slams her down into the ground. And right. then and I love the way that they kind of had the effect of Monica's powers there as well during the whole slamming scene. So it kind of showed that, you know, even though they're there, they're still helping her in a way because she obviously had like had the light on her when she hit the ground. So it's like that kind of, I guess, saved her a little bit. Exactly. I like the fact that uh, her powers are there. I was, I want to see her start to realize that something is up though. You know, yeah. I want Monica to start to be like, hold on, how was I even able to like survive that, you know, 80 foot drop? <laughs> she, still, she still feels like she's on autopilot a little bit. Like she doesn't, yeah. like she knows she's using the powers, but she doesn't realize that she's using powers. This hasn't hit her. She is like, uh-uh. Right. Wasn't doing uh, maybe not 80 feet is so much, but it was like, it was like, she was high up. <laughs> but like, I want her to be able to realize that her, she has abilities and she's able to survive this stuff. Um, I mean, probably if I get that in the next episode. Um, in episode nine, but uh, yeah, she is having this conversation with Wanda and she's like, you know, Hey Wanda, I am just here to help you. If you want to kick me out, then kick me out, girl. I'm right in front of your face. Do it. And Scarlet, Witch doesn't. And she's like, you know, that's exactly why you're different than Hayward. Like, don't make him make you the villain. Um, you don't have to be like this. And then uh, we get this really funny scene. I laugh every time I see it when um, Agatha is looking out of her window <laughs> and she's watching the two of them have the conversation. It's the way that Catherine Hahn is like watching them <laughs> and is over it. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but she goes outside and she's like, you know, takes Wanda away from her and she brings her inside. And, you know, earlier in that episode, Agatha had taken the kids and uh Billy and Tommy were kind of sitting there and Billy was like, you know, Agatha, you are quiet. I like it over here. It's quiet. You're quiet on the inside. And um, obviously that was because she is a witch, which she reveals herself to be. So this episode comes down and Wanda's downstairs looking at all this like weird witchy stuff uh, because she's over at her house. And um, Agatha's like, you know, 
the kids are probably downstairs or something. They're just playing. So she goes downstairs to look for the kids and Agatha reveals herself to, or Agnes, I should say, reveals herself to be Agatha Harkness, which, boom. Who would have guessed that we'd have an Agatha Harkness on a live action TV show? I definitely didn't. Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, I was just saying, no, I agree. Like the reveal of Agatha was amazing. The Agatha All Along song that came accompanied with it automatically. <laughs> you know, I was just like, yes, what is this? I need it. And I love that it's like one iTunes now. I definitely downloaded it on my Apple Music. So it's on my phone. Right. So <laughs> um, but it was just really nice. And you know, with the Agnes reveal, it was one of those things where we all kind of knew it. Like everyone, I don't right. think anyone did not think that Agnes was Agatha Harkness. But even so, just the way it was revealed and how she came down, she's like, you think you're the only witch person around here? <laughs> right. You think and, you're the only magical uh, girl? Yeah, and it's like we people are still kind of wondering like what else is there to her because you know we get the stuff about Billy and you know he sees nothing and we have all these things. It's it was great. It was a good moment. Yeah. It was really satisfying to see perfect way to end the episode. And then we also got our what first post credit scene of a yeah that was the first person this one. Yeah, that was the first post credit scene. So after we get that Agatha reveal and that Agatha All Along song, which I learned was written by the couple who did all the songs in Frozen. So like that makes sense why I was so catchy. They know how to make a hit. (laughs) (laughs) They know how to write a hit. Um, So yeah, uh, we get that uh, Agatha All Along stuff and then we end with um, like the kids... uh, we don't know what's really going on with them or where they are. Um, but I liked the the Agatha reveal, even though kind of like what you said, I knew that it was Agatha Harkness like from yeah. the beginning, but it's still like kind of shocked to me this the way that they did it, you know? Um, and you did, after- because it's like, you knew it was her, but the way, especially how they said she was kind of manipulating everything behind the scenes and like she's doing stuff. And it's like, even with Pietro, it's like, oh, she made Pietro. It's like, oh, okay. Like that was kind of cool too. So it, it was just, it, it hit, it hit the way it should. <laughs> yeah i um i felt like the uh the after credit scene was pretty cool uh with with monica uh she's still snooping around <laughs> you know um snoop is gonna snoop and uh yeah she like tries to open this thing and her eyes are purple this time so i, I wonder if what they're going to do is her eye contact color or whatever they have her color will be the the energy that she's seeing or whatever i wonder if that will be kind of the effect that they kind of have her have in this show um we'll we'll obviously see going forward because i know we're going to get a lot of her in captain marvel too uh so yeah that was the first after credit scene which i thought was really dope um and then we get into episode eight and like i said this episode was (laughs) wow um you know once it started off and we saw Agatha with like the other coven of witches. I was just kind of like, oh, can I just watch this show? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna like that coven of witches and all the witchcraft stuff. I was like, you're not living for this. All the I witch was people just like, like, yeah, and they're like, this is it. They, they are giving full magic, you know, in <laughs> in the MCU. And I really wasn't expecting it. Like, I mean, yeah. and I guess, you know, I should have been anticipating it. You, we've technically gotten full magic already with Doctor Strange, but I guess, you know, it's like Doctor Strange. It doesn't really... You like, kind of expect that with... with yeah, that. you know, so now to see that, like, oh, no, it actually, like, does exist in all these other different ways, and you kind of see these other people using it. Um, 
and then we kind of get into the explanation of Wanda and how she's kind of doing all of this. And I just thought that was really well done. Yeah, I thought that stuff was great. I um that this episode starts with Agatha being dragged to this burning. And you're under the impression that it's like a um, you know, a Salem witch trial, because it is in Salem, Massachusetts back then. And it is not, it is her coven <laughs> um who have put her to the stake and they are asking her, you know, what's been going on, girl? You've been studying all this dark magic. Um, and it looked like to me that they were like, were they gonna kill her? So I wasn't sure like if they were trying to drain her power, magic, energy, life mm-hmm. force, or um you know, which would have, the life force version would have killed her. But I wasn't sure if it was like, oh, we're trying to kill her or we're just trying to take her powers from her. Yeah, I couldn't tell either. I would assume maybe kill, but either way, she's like pleading her case and telling them, you know, I, it wasn't me. Her uh, revealed to be mother is like, no, you've been studying dark magic. Uh, you got to go basically. And there were like, what, six witches around her? <laughs> and they all blasted her and she took it in the beginning, but then like after a while, the mom joined in and tried to help out and that didn't stop her either. <laughs> so <was> like, I'm <laughs> faking. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> right. It don't really hurt that bad. So <laughs> then she literally like absorbs the life force of all these witches, including her mother and leaves. <laughs> um, That's all you got to do sometimes. So she is sitting. Then we go back to Agatha and Wanda in this like you know witchy basement thing and Agatha is really trying to figure out how are you able to do all of this like you know she said that I have been waiting around for you to reveal yourself and but when I got here just feeling the afterglow of all of these spells cast at once like this is insane for someone to have this type of magical powers how did you do it Basically, she wants, I assume that she wants to learn it for herself because mm-hmm. of whatever, um, you know, plans she has on her own. And Wanda is just still sick, sitting there looking like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I cried not, one I day for my man. And my I just, man. <laughs> <laughs> literally, she's like, I was crying one day for my man and it just happened. <laughs> and Agatha does not believe her. Um, and then she goes um, full uh, Grant Morrison, Jean Grey, and takes her through all of her memories. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, no, girl, you're going to reveal to me how you did all of this. So let's go ahead and figure this out. So um, she like cast this spell. Oh, and before that, though, she is breaking down magic. And I love the way that they are using this moment to break down everything that Wanda had done so she like showed her how she can do mind control and she's like mind control is something that's easy like it's 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 really simple to do trans uh mutation is super easy to do um she also gives Pietro the name Pietro um she was like you know I thought I got I got close to figure out to figuring out how you were doing all this by going through Pietro um and Wanda's like oh you know oh so that was you like you were the one who sent him over and she's like oh no that wasn't actually me but i was the one to uh, i was i had my eyes and ears like i could hear all that stuff and um so what do you think about fietro uh, because she says in this that you know i couldn't perform necromancy because 
I got here and your brother's body was all the way in Europe. So there was no way for me to do all of that in enough time. Do you think that this is a fake Pietro or do you think that this is Peter Maximoff from like the Fox movies? No, I, I'm very much of the thought that it's just a fake Pietro. And I that, agree. <laughs> and that the whole Evan Peters casting thing was just supposed to be like a fun nod to the people who like comic book movies and who possibly like the X-Men films that, you know, there is something that you all found a reason to like. And we just mm-hmm. want to give you a little tease and a little bit of fun by throwing him over here. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that the, he is uh, the Peter Pete Maximoff. Um, however, I do keep wondering how he got powers because he did have like, he does have super speed. So like, where did that come from? You know? Uh, I guess I just... uh put it towards like just magic illusion stuff. You know, she put a little extra effort into it. See, <laughs> this is why I don't like magic. <laughs> you just gotta let it go Because sometimes. if you could do, you know, you could do that, how come you can't do that for like it's everybody? A, it's an illusion. What do you mean? He's not See, real. I need science. <laughs> <laughs> I need science. Um, so she's like telling her, you know, I thought I got close to figuring out how you did it through Fietro, but that didn't work. So now, girl, we just gonna have to go through your head <laughs> and and figure out what's going on. And she literally takes her through all of her like these traumatic memories for her, starting we with see, her childhood. See um, the parents dying. We see yeah. you know them kind of like joining up with who was that Hydra? It was Hydra, right? It was Hydra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and doing all that, and again, like here we go talking about the acting and the folks who are doing this, but a masterclass, like yeah. Elizabeth Olsen sold every single scene she was in. You felt the emotion, you felt the grief, you felt the sadness, you felt the loneliness. She just like knocked it out of the park with that. And it was just a joy to see she, I want more. I love it. Yeah. She's been killing it. And um, like you said, you really felt like the grief and the sadness and like, you know, this is the kind of what you would hope for Scarlet Witch in the comics. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and could probably really help for the view people have of her in the comics and, you know, outside of her just being uber powerful. Um, I think if you're a Wanda fan, this is definitely a satisfying show for you because, again, like like you said, like in the comics, Wanda is just kind of always portrayed as this crazy, mean woman who's doing whatever she was just for because she can. Mm-hmm. And here... And it never goes right. She ruins everything, like, around yeah. her. And then she never really cares about that afterwards. Mm-hmm. And here you kind of get like a much more sympathetic take on that. And you understand a little bit more why she does it, why she stays in it, why she lets it go on, why she's fighting so hard to keep it. And it feels relatable. Everyone yeah. experiences that type of situation every once in a while. And so to know that, oh, when you actually have the power to do it, why not do it? And then still going into the implications of like why you are doing it, but why you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's like you're controlling people. You're changing everything about their lives. You're not letting them live and all that. It's just, ugh, this show is good. It's good, right? <laughs> like, it's good. It's got some powerful stuff in it. Like that whole scene with her as a kid and, um, you know, she's talking about how it's family movie night and they watch American sitcoms and that's how they learn their English and stuff. Like you really feel this like sadness for her. I audibly gasped. <laughs> when the missile came in and their roof uh, caved in. Oh, yeah. And 
I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> um, but oh. even that moment, like I love the way that they used that to not only tie her into being the Scarlet Witch, but to like push her narrative forward. So like yeah. um, we had always known that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the MCU had their their parents were killed in that bombing accident, but like the and the bomb went off or it was supposed to go off, but it never did. And they sat there for two days. Um, but now we learned that Wanda was the reason that the bomb never went off <laughs> because, um, which I think is cool to like give some, some deeper implication for something like that to happen later on. I think that's really awesome. And, you know, we find out that through Agatha, Agatha's like, you know, did you stop that bomb? And she's like, you cast a probability hex. And she was like, you know, you, uh, were a little witch who cast this hex, and that's why she was like, "Look at the damage that this caused! Like mm. this roof is caved in, and y'all just perfectly made it out okay. <laughs> you, the reason this bomb didn't happen go off was because of you." Um, and again, Wanda's like, "No, that couldn't have been right. We just thought it was defective." And she's starting to realize that she is something more than what she knows herself to be. Um, so. That next scene after that was her during Hydra and <laughs> Agatha again calls her out and she's like, you know, you went through all that stuff and, and the bombing, you lost your parents. And the first thing you do is sign up for an anti-freedom organization. Okay. <laughs> and she's, like, she's like, oh, we're just trying to change the world. And it's just like, mm, not in the way you think you're doing it, <laughs> Agatha was reading her every chance she could. <laughs> um. So again, we see the experiment that actually went on with Wanda, which was very, very interesting because uh, we had only heard about the experimentations that happened with um, the Mind Stone and Loki's staff not actually seeing it. So to see it all happen was really cool. And to see that like she was the thing that edited the um, like the footage that of, of her being filmed so like she reaches out for the staff and the like the stone inside of it flies towards her and she's like staring at it and it breaks open and reveals the mind stone and in that mind stone she sees herself as the scarlet witch the and it's scarlet like coming witch. yeah and she looks dope like this like visual vision that she has of herself with her crown was awesome um it really makes me excited this has really made me excited for what they do when they get to like my characters that i like <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we hit your face up on the screen it's like yes. oh yeah like, what are we gonna do now How are we this? <laughs> oh yeah when they when they get to like a lot of the characters that i like really really enjoy um this just makes me feel like they're really gonna pay attention to how they are in the comics and really like try to bring that to life so because like i said i would have never have guessed if you were to ask me, you know, 10 years ago, if I was ever going to see Scarlet Witch on screen, having her powers mm -hmm. be defined as chaos magic and her being considered like a nexus being and her little crown head thing, <laughs> I would have said, of course not. But here we no, are. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. So I, I appreciate the MCU is like really like doing all of that. Um, so she, we see the experimentation, but they don't have the footage of it anymore. It has been cut off, which shows you that earlier in her life, she was able to kind of do stuff like that. Um, again, just not on the scale that she's doing it now because yeah. she didn't have that kind of grief or whatever to kind of unlock her 
powers. And I also love that um, Wanda was kind of giving you, I mean, not Wanda, Agatha was giving you basically a sit rep after every like memory we went through. She's like, okay, so this is what we just saw. Okay, and so yeah. now we're here doing this. And it was like, it was just really cute. I just, I just really love Catherine Hahn in this role. She's killing it. Catherine Hahn is killing it as Agatha. And I appreciated that they um, kind of held the audience's hand a little bit there because, you know, not everybody saw the movies you know you have to yeah. kind of think that sometimes not everybody saw the movies even though at this point i think you can it's a safe bet that people probably did but it's still best to have a um like agatha doing like a sit rep and going through and saying you know this is this is what happened here and you had powers as a witch but the infinity stone like augmented them like to something that you had no idea about and she's like you know i have a theory but i need a little bit more and then we get her seeing the scene of her going to sword to go pick up vision's body now there was a moment in this where hayward says uh hey you know i can't like you let you take vision he is this like he's a weapon a sentient weapon and i can't let you take it with someone who has the power to bring him back to life yeah, how did that. he how did he know that she would, is able to do that so I was, when I heard it, I just imagined he was speaking in hyperbole. Like, we know oh. that Wanda is this extremely powerful being who's done all these amazing things. And we know that she's powerful and she like almost beat Thanos. And so I guess for him, it's just assuming like you have all this raw power and maybe like you using your power to like put Vision back together will somehow link him back up. Mm. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. I was just like, is he... Knowing, like, how did he know that she is able to have that kind of power to bring people back to life or whatever? Um, because even she was kind of shocked that he would even suggest that. She was like, I can't, like, I can't do that. <laughs> um, I just want to bury him. And she gets upset. She goes down there and sees his broken up body, which, again, this is very much West Coast Avengers, like, straight from the comic. Yeah. His body being laid out like that was a, a direct panel that was in the West Coast Avengers. Um and she goes down there, sees his broken up body, tries to feel him again, which is really sad considering the last time <laughs> that they were together, they were talking about being able to feel each other. Um, and she gets in her Buick and leaves. <laughs> so yes, I don't know why, I don't know why Hayward was, you know, spreading lies that she was the reason broken that you know, broke and in. And, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was like that lady was sad. Why are you going to lie on her name? Like <laughs> right, that? right lying on the side like broken lady and she did nothing but get in her little buick and leave <laughs> and um then you get to the part which i felt was i felt like it would have broken me too <laughs> if i could be honest and uh she leaves sword uh gets in her car and she opens this uh she drives to westview and finds this location and while she's driving through westview you see a lot of the faces that we have seen on the shows that she's been creating and she gets to this plot of this home that's like barely even built. Like they haven't even uh, like broke ground or anything. And it is the house that she had been living in these past like few days or however long this has been, 10 days, I think now it's been two weeks. Um, she has been living in this house and it was the house that Vision, I guess, bought for them and they, they were gonna get old in it. And we see her open the deed to the house and he wrote her this nice, little note on it with a heart around it that said to grow old in and that would have broke me too girl yeah, <laughs> I, I get it that was sad i get it that was sad 
I would have broke down and cried too and let loose all of my chaos magic. <laughs> yeah. So like she um, has broken down and she literally just starts releasing all of this chaos magic and like builds a house <laughs> out of nothing. And, and like, and that's power. That is power. Um, and then has another wave of like chaos energy and tone turns the entire town into this sitcom. And because throughout this entire episode, we see that sitcoms are like her safe space. And uh, while she was a kid, she even said, you know, that after the end of the episode, you realize that it wasn't real and uh, it, you can start all over again. So she he needs therapy. Because <laughs> 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 um, girl, you can't just rely on these sitcoms. <laughs> she needs um, therapy. <laughs> um, so she also creates this vision, and he the last thing we see is him staring at her, and he's like, Oh, Wanda. And then the next vision we see of her is she is in this, you know, 1950s uh, Dick Van Dyke kind of attire that we saw her from the intro. And we realized then that her grief from all of that is what caused it to be unleashed, yeah. basically. And the uh, Agatha the calls story. her out and says, yeah, oh, that's deep, yeah. <laughs> um, I also did earlier, like there was a line that Vision said while he was, this was post- um, Age of Ultron and they were back at the Avengers compound and Wanda and Vision were like kind of sitting on that bed and talking about like sadness and grief and she didn't want to talk about her brother and she just didn't want to talk about yeah. it at all and he talked he said you know um, what is grief but uh, love enduring and I thought that that was Ooh. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that one was hit touching. me right in the heart. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cute. I was like, Vision did that. He, he would have got, got something that night. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so then it ends with Agatha being like, you know, I figured it out. Why you're able to do all this is because you are. This is chaos magic you're doing. This is wrong. You're supposed to be a myth. And you're the Scarlet Witch. And there we go. You know, and now Agatha has to die because she was harming young Billy, and that's she did have she did have Billy wrapped up around his neck. You know, so um, it didn't look like your boy like, was uh, doing too well. Nah, so she's got to go now. There's like a line that we don't cross, and that was it. She's done. Yeah, I feel like she. I I never expected them to ever make Agatha the villain. You know, villain yeah. Agatha. I'm always so used to her being the one that like watched over kids and and helped out but i think i might like a little this villain turn for her so i like it i still think they can um maybe try and work it a type of way and again we know that wanda's going to be in doctor strange and uh, multiverse mm -hmm. of madness and probably learning some more magic stuff from over there but i can see them kind of switching agatha around to like starting out as that antagonist for wanda who's just like look i just kind of wanted your power but if i can't beat you let me join you and i'll at least like try and help oh, you that's cool, how yeah. to do some of this stuff um, just because obviously Agatha has been around for a very long time and what we've seen just from what she had back in her coven and what she was doing now, she knows a lot and she knows how to get the stuff done. Exactly. And I want Agatha watching Franklin, <laughs> you know, that's, I'm so used to the, that. I love that in the comics because there were so many times where Agatha Harkness would be watching Franklin Richards and she would be like, she would call 
the Fantastic Four while they were on a mission and be like, you got to come get your kid. <laughs> and <laughs> Sue would be like, I'll be in the middle of a mission. And she's like, I called y'all like two hours ago. Come get your kid. <laughs> and I would like to say mine doing that. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, so I hope that she isn't like stuck as a villain because, you know, a lot of times in the MCU, the villains always end up dying off, even though they're like yeah. some great characters. I hope they can't keep her around. Um, Agreed. But yeah, all in all. Oh, and then they had this after credit scene for this episode too, which definitely made me gag because I was not expecting to see. Um, we get Hayward um, saying, you know, all we needed was a little bit of energy from the person we've been trying to go after uh, to activate this machine. We've been trying so hard and look at what we do. And you see the um, the drone that is still covered in chaos energy. They like siphoned off energy from it and use that to power what we see as the white vision, which I know comic book fans have seen before. I don't remember, I remember comic book fans complaining about the debut of Vision in the MCU because he wasn't like his white version. And <laughs> sure enough, look, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> there is. It's also interesting because there's, um, you know, when we did the Vision panel not too long ago, I read that Vision miniseries from the 90s and the villain of that is a character called Anti-Vision who's basically just a vision from a counter earth and he's also all white. Oh, well, see, there you go. I feel like they, see, that's the MCU pulling from the comics and just like making something of it all. I feel like it's an amalgamation of the both of those things um, because yeah. the white vision from uh, like the, from our earth was supposed to be vision like as a less human form, basically. Like he was, you know, he always get his body broken. And, <laughs> but the first time, the first big time he was destroyed, uh, and like laid out, Wanda went and retrieved his body, took it back. I think Pym fixed it back up. And in order to get him back to where he was, they they needed Wonder Man's brainwaves to kind of complete him to be back where he was. But Wonder Man didn't want to give him up. <laughs> he said, I don't want to do that no more. Uh, like, I want to be my own person and let Vision be his own person. Um, and then they decided to, they were able to still bring him back online. And then that's where you get the white vision and white vision is supposed to be like less feeling and way more robotic. So I was, I'm interested to see what they do there. Um, also a shout out for me. I feel like that means they won't be able to do the whole Simon brainwave thing. Because... Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> Wonder Man. <laughs> yes. Yes. They don't, they won't need to do that because you know, uh, Shuri, I think she saved his brainwaves before back in Infinity War. So you don't need Simon. <laughs> All right. I like I like that. Um, but yeah, I was blown away by this uh episode. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, agreed. Just subliminal, sublime. It's fan it's it's yeah, it's WandaVision. You know, I and I'm kind of when it first got announced, I won't lie, I wasn't too keen on it. I was like, you know, it'll be here. I'll watch it. But man, they're mm -hmm. knocking it out of the park. And it's just making me even more excited for, like you said, when we actually get to, I guess, more of my favorite characters that I actually enjoy, like in comics, to see them, how they come up on the screen and what they do. I've been personally thinking about She-Hulk and Moon Knight a lot lately. Oh, man, you were going to live for those. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, wow, what a moment. I can't wait. You know, I feel like those actually are going to start filming soon. Um, I think I read somewhere that they are. So like, Same. you know, those sets, those set pictures are going to start to come out soon. Ooh. 
I'm ready. Yeah, I'm excited for what they do for a lot of my like favorites in the future. I'm excited to see like, you know, Sue <laughs> when the Fantastic Four comes out. Oh, how do you feel about um the the rumor that it's Jennifer Lawrence? So I'm excited to see Sue on screen for the first time. And um, I can't wait for whoever they cast. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think that they have made any of those decisions yet. You know, they're still in the writing process. <laughs> so um, we don't need Katniss. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited for WandaVision. I, I wasn't expecting to like it this much. I wasn't, I'm not the biggest Scarlet Witch fan and I'm not the biggest Mag Magic fan, but I love superpowers and I love the Marvel Universe. So like seeing the Marvel Universe brought to life this way has been excellent. It's yeah. been so dope it's, to it's, see. It's been fantastic. I love the way that we're expanding. I'm excited. I, I personally love Magic. So, you know, it's doing mm -hmm. it for me. You know, <laughs> when I say the gays love a witch, I am the gays. So it's like, don't worry about that. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to see how we continue to go into that. I'm excited to see what wh why Wanda is going to the multiverse or like why she needs to learn more about the multiverse that brings her into Doctor Strange's world, period. Yeah, I really need to sort of see what the connection is there outside of them both being magical characters. I want to know what this multiverse of madness, you know, aspect is. So do I think you, that's the last um, episode is going to be insane. Do you think, oh, so I was just about to say, so do you think next episode is really the last one? Or do you think we're going to get that secret 10th episode that they've been rumored? I think the next one is the last one. I also think that the the like big shocking person that's going to come in is Doctor Strange. Um, I know that they said that it wasn't Doctor Strange, but I think that that was just them trying to you know, throw a curveball. Paul Bettany once in an interview recently said that, you know, everyone is guessing that it's Doctor Strange, um, but I haven't seen anyone guess who the actual surprise is. And he said it's an actor that he hasn't worked with before, but has wanted to for a long time. And they have really explosive scenes together. I think it's, he was talking about himself. <laughs> I think that he was talking about, I think he was talking oh, about he white, fights white, the vision. white vision. Yes. I don't think that people are like wondering if it's Magneto or Professor X or any kind of like crazy reveal like that. And I honestly think that he was talking about himself. <laughs> I would love that. That seems yeah. right up his alley. I approve. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I love it. Great. Um, all right. So that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, please rate and subscribe us wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, I, you can find us at another relaunch um, at, on Twitter. You can find us at another relaunch at gmail.com. If you have any kind of questions, concerns, all that kind of good stuff, you can find me at, Uncanny LZ. Uh, Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me at Keenan Lance, and you know there's an underscore at the end. Boom. Y'all know where to find my girl at. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let's get up out of here, and that's the show. We'll see y'all next Bye. week. Bye, Bye. y'all.